Science and Answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker. In the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Each week, Pat and his friends provide great biblical teaching, from interviews discussing different cults, such as Buddhism or Mormonism. He breaks down popular topics and provides valuable insights on issues facing our current society. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat is speaking about Islam in a message entitled, The Islamic Hope of Paradise. Pat has a lot of information about this particular topic, and you can find multiple interviews, teachings, and articles right there on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. If you're unable to hear any of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Here's our host, Dr. Pat Zucran, with part two. With their goods and their persons, Allah hath granted a grade higher to those who strive and fight with their goods and persons than to those who sit at home. Unto all in faith hath Allah promised good, but those who strive and fight hath he distinguished above those who sit at home by a special reward. So here in this verse, Allah distinguishes Muslims from one another based on their willingness to fight and die in holy war. Those who choose not to fight will not receive the same reward as those martyred in jihad. Chapter 3, verse 169 and 70 of the Quran says this, Think not of those who are slain in Allah's way as dead. Nay, they live, finding their sustenance in the presence of their Lord. They rejoice in the bounty provided by Allah. And with regard to those left behind who have not yet joined them in their bliss, the martyrs glory in the fact that on them is no fear, nor have they cause to grieve. So here in this passage, martyrs go directly from this life to paradise, where they wait for those who must first go through the day of judgment. Chapter 22, verse 58 of the Quran says, Those who leave their homes in the cause of Allah and are slain or die, on them will Allah bestow, verily, a goodly provision. Truly Allah is He who bestows the best provision. Verily, He will admit them to a place with which they shall be well pleased, for Allah is all-knowing and most forbearing. So in these passages, martyrdom in jihad seems to be the surest way of immediate entrance into paradise. In the Hadith, the teachings and traditions and sayings of Muhammad it also states this, in Shaheen Muslim, chapter 20, it says this, It has been reported on the authority of Jabir that a man said, Messenger of Allah, where shall I be if I am killed? Muhammad replied, in paradise. The man threw away the dates he had in his hand and fought until he was killed. Once again, in Shaheen Muslim, chapter 20, says the Messenger of Allah said, All the sins of the martyr are forgiven except death. In chapter 2 of Bukhari, says this, I heard Allah's apostle saying, the example of a mujahideen in Allah's cause, and Allah knows better who really strives in his cause, is like a person who fasts and prays continuously. Allah guarantees that he will admit the mujahideen, the holy warrior, in his cause into paradise if he is killed. Otherwise, he will return him to his home safely with reward and war booty. In Abu Dawud, chapter 14, it states this, I asked the prophet, who are in paradise? 
He replied, prophets are in paradise and martyrs are in paradise. So according to the teachings of the Quran and the Hadith, the two most authoritative sources in Islam, martyrdom in jihad is the surest way to immediate entrance into Islamic paradise. Now the question arises that the Quran forbids suicide, so what about suicide bombers? Well, chapter 9, verse 111 of the Quran says, Indeed, Allah has purchased from the believers their lives and their properties, for that they will have paradise. They fight in the cause of Allah, so they kill and are killed. So many Muslim scholars have justified suicide bombing, saying this is jihad martyrdom. The person is dying in jihad in the cause of Allah. So it is not a sin that will be condemned by Allah. Now the hope of the Muslim is paradise. And the description of paradise given in the Quran and the Hadith describes a sensual desert oasis. Paradise is described as a lush garden filled with various kinds of fruits, rivers of water, wine, honey, and milk. It is a place where people wear fine silk and relax on couches. They are served by eternal youths and entertained by heavenly virgin maidens. That is the description given to us in the Quran and the Hadith. Here are some passages from the Quran that describe Islamic paradise. Chapter 36, verse 55 of the Quran says, See the inhabitants of paradise today. They are busy and they're rejoicing, they and their spouses, reclining upon couches in the shade, Therein they have fruits, and they have all that they call for. Chapter 47 of the Quran says this, Here is a parable of the garden which the righteous are promised. In it are rivers of water incorruptible, rivers of milk of which the taste never changes, rivers of wine, a joy to those who drink, and rivers of honey pure and clear. In it there are for them all kinds of fruits and grace from their Lord. Can those in such bliss be compared to such as shall dwell forever in the fire and be given to drink boiling water so that it cuts up their bowels into pieces? Chapter 52, verse 20 of the Quran says, They will recline with ease on thrones of dignity, arranged in ranks, and we shall join them to the companions with the beautiful, big, and lustrous eyes. Now that's one interpretation by Abdullah Yusuf Ali. A.J. Arbery a fine Arabic scholar, translates chapter 52, verse 20 this way. They will be reclining upon couches ranged in rows, and we shall espouse them to the wide-eyed huris. That's another word for virgins. Chapter 54 of the Quran states this. Then which of the favors of your Lord will ye deny? They will recline on carpets, whose inner linings will be of rich brocade. The fruit of the gardens will be near and easy of reach. Then which of your favors of your Lord will you deny? In them will be maidens, chaste, restraining their glances, whom no man or jinn before them has touched. Then to which of these favors will your Lord deny? So here he talks about living in a beautiful tent, carpeted floors, eating fruits, and with companions Maidens who are chaste or virgins, they're beautiful beings. And he says, whom no man or jinn before them has touched. So they are virgins given to these men in paradise. 
Chapter 55, verse 69 through 78 of the Quran says, Of which of your Lord's bounties will you deny? Therein maidens, good and comely, of which your Lord bounties will you deny? Horus, or virgins, cloistered in cool pavilions, O which of your Lord bounties will you deny? Untouched before them by any man or jinn, O which of your Lord's bounties will you deny? Reclining upon green cushions and lovely draguettes, of which of your bounties will you deny? Blessed be the name of thy Lord, majestic and splendid. Once again, chapter 56, verse 15 of the Quran says, They shall recline on jeweled couches face to face, and there shall wait on them immortal youths with bowls and ewers, and a cup of purest wine that will neither pain their heads nor take away their reason. So you'll never get drunk or have a hangover there in paradise. With fruits of their own choice and flesh of fowls that they relish, and there shall be the dark-eyed hurus or the virgins, chased as hidden pearls, a reward for their deeds. We created the hurus and made them virgins, loving companions for those on the right hand. Chapter 78 of the Quran says, Surely for the God-fearing awaits a place of security, gardens and vineyards and maidens with swelling breasts, like of age and a cup overflowing. So paradise, according to the Quran, is described as a sensual desert oasis with all the pleasures for men to enjoy. Now, many have heard about the idea that martyrs get 72 virgins. Where did that number come from or where does that idea come from? Well, that does not come from the Quran. That comes from the later traditions of the Hadith. So there's a debate amongst Muslim theologians on this number. But here's some of the Hadith passages. The Hadith is written about two centuries after the life of Muhammad. It is supposedly a record of his sayings and the traditions that he passed on. But from several Hadiths, for example, Ibn Maha or Ibn Adi Kamil writes this, None is made to enter paradise by Allah Most High, except Allah's Most High shall marry him to 72 wives, two of them from the wide-eyed maidens of paradise and 70 of them his inheritance from the people of hellfire. Not one of them, but her attraction never lags, nor his arousal ever wanes. Once again, Ibn Maha, in his book of abstinence, writes this. The messenger of God said, Everyone that God admits into paradise will be married to 72 wives. Two of them are huris, or virgins, and 70 of his inheritance of the female dwellers of hell. And one of Islam's greatest theologians, Al-Ghazali, who lived at about 1000 AD, stated this. He said, The inmates of paradise will be beardless and hairless. Their color will be white and their eyes painted with collyrium. They will be youths of 33 years of age. They will be 60 cubits long and 7 cubits broad. He also said the lowest rank of an inmate of paradise will have 80,000 servants and 72 wives. In short, there will be such bliss in paradise which no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart has conceived. So that comes from Al-Ghazali in the book of Constructed Virtues that he wrote. So the idea of the 72 virgins does not come from the Quran. It comes from the later traditions of the Hadith. So there's a debate amongst Muslim theologians whether this is indeed the case.
Now you can see that the Islamic view of salvation in paradise stands in stark contrast to the biblical teaching on salvation and heaven. First, the Bible teaches that salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. Men and women are justified by belief in Christ alone. Our salvation is not based on what we do, but on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Salvation for the believer in Christ is based on faith, trusting in Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, who fulfilled all aspects of the law and paid for our sin by his death on the cross. And that gives a believer full assurance that they have eternal life. Secondly, because Christianity, our salvation is based not on what we do, but on the finished work of Christ. Therefore, we can be assured of our salvation. Only in Christianity can there be an assurance of salvation. And that is because salvation is not dependent upon what I do or I accomplish. Salvation is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, which he has already accomplished. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So the assurance of our salvation is based on our faith in Jesus Christ alone. Romans 1.16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So we are justified based on receiving the grace of God given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We receive it by faith. And that's how we stand justified before God. And once we attain that salvation, we can be assured that we have eternal life and that we will never be separated from Christ. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness or danger? No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So our salvation is based on God's work and what Christ did upon the cross, not our good works. And therefore, we can never be separated from the love of Christ. Paul says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. So for the believer in Christ they can be assured of their salvation. Contrary to what Islam teaches on the nature of man, 
The Bible teaches Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches that we are all sinners. We've inherited a sin nature from Adam and that we have all sinned and broken God's law and have not lived up to God's perfect standard, which is what is needed for eternal life. Therefore, since we are sinners, there is nothing we can do to earn eternal life. It is impossible for us on our own to earn and work our way to eternal life and fulfill God's perfect law. That's not possible for us because we are sinners by nature. Therefore, we need a Savior. Since Islam teaches that man is not sinful by nature but basically good, Islam believes that men and women can earn their salvation by enough good works. The Bible teaches we cannot because we are sinful. And therefore, it's impossible for us to do enough to attain right standing before God. It had to be accomplished by God who gave the perfect sacrifice, His Son, Jesus Christ. And finally, heaven is not a sensual place as taught in the Quran and the Hadith. If you look in the Bible, heaven is a holy place. Wherever you read in the scriptures, heaven is described as a holy place, magnificent and wonderful in its beauty, filled with joy. And the centerpiece of heaven is not man fulfilling his pleasures. The centerpiece of heaven is God and the throne of God. And the centerpiece of our actions is worshiping and enjoying and loving God forever and ever. For example, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah sees heaven, he says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so the description, or if there is one word that could describe heaven, it's the word holy. And standing before the holy God in his holy heaven, Isaiah realized his incredible sinfulness as he stood before the Lord. His response was, Woe's me, for I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So the throne of God and the glory of God fill heaven. That is the centerpiece of heaven, and that is what heaven is all about. In chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, the apostle John gets a glimpse of heaven, and he says this, And behold, the throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. 
The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. It further goes on to state, The twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So in the Bible, heaven is described as magnificent, glorious, and holy. And the centerpiece of heaven is indeed God's throne. And there, God's people will see the Lord face to face, something called the beatific vision, something that all the saints of glory have longed for all their life. It finally comes to pass. And the throne of God then is the center of, of heaven and there we shall worship him and fellowship with him and one another for all eternity the intimacy of that fellowship is described in that last chapter of revelations chapter 22 it says that no longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of god and of the lamb will be in it so you can see in heaven the throne of god is continuously mentioned that is the centerpiece of heaven and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of the lamp or the sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So that is the description of heaven in the Bible. In contrast to the sensual oasis paradise that is described in the Quran. You know, one of the questions I ask my friends in the other world religions, including my Muslim friends, the question I ask is this, how do you know what you believe about the afterlife and life after death? How do you know what you believe is true? The resounding answer over and over and over again is faith. We just believe. This is where Christianity is unique from all other worldviews and world religions. For our faith is based on powerful and compelling evidence. And that is, Jesus Christ was a real historical person. We have a very accurate record of him in the New Testament, who claimed to be the divine Son of God and confirmed his claim to his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. In Christ, we have someone who demonstrated authority over all creation, even life, and he demonstrated even authority over death, raising several people from the dead and raising himself from the dead. In Christ, we have someone who has demonstrated not only authority over life and death, but knowledge of what lies beyond the grave. Now, the evidence for the resurrection is quite compelling. We've done many shows on that, uh, myself and other scholars who are far more intelligent and studied than I am. And the evidence for the resurrection has never been beat. Therefore, since Jesus Christ demonstrated the authority to be the divine Son of God, He demonstrated. He's the only one who has died and raised Himself from the dead. Therefore, what He taught about what happens beyond the grave then 
is true. And we can believe what Jesus and the Bible teaches about what lies beyond the grave. The Muslim only has the teachings of Muhammad, who did not do any miracles and did not demonstrate authority over life and death, who he himself was not sure about his eternal fate. So I would encourage Muslims and all individuals to study the life of Christ and realize that in him there is the hope of everlasting eternal life and the true teachings about heaven and what lies beyond the grave are based on the teachings of Christ revealed to us in the New Testament and it's in Jesus Christ we have that true and everlasting hope of heaven. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. Be sure to share this website with your family, your friends, and your church. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.